Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Just a quick programming note. This is not the only live Chicago Bears-themed podcast. We have one tonight at 5.50 p.m. Central Time. It's the Willis Twin Towers podcast. They will be talking lots of Chicago Bears, and they'll also be talking to their guest about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So that uh, is a must-see. And then on the... Sunday morning, get ready for the Bears game with the Barfly Tailgate Show, 9 a.m. Central, and then we'll have continuing coverage of the game throughout the day right here on the Barroom Network. And then Greg and I will be back on Monday to discuss the game. Speaking of Greg, let me bring him in now. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm getting better, slowly but surely. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. You look great. I may cough a few times, but nothing I can do about that. Absolutely not. You cough away, and if uh, if it if it bothers my ears, I will mute your microphone. No, I'll just say mute me. I'm going to cough. Okay, that <laughs> sounds good. Um, t- this is a special show, Greg, and it's a Q and A show. And I pro- probably before I sent out the tweet on uh, on X, the post on X, uh, I should have probably put some criteria to some of the questions. You want? Should we talk about that a little bit at the st- start of sure. the show? Sure. Uh, let me ask, before you do that. We had talked about doing those wide receivers too. Or, mm-hmm. or do you want to save that? Let's save that. Let's save that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, but I want to the- talk about why why we're going to do it. You know, it, 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 and it, it's a um, kind of like an exercise we did when I was working with the Bears. I want to explain that what we did. Okay. Okay. So do you want Do you want to do that now, or do you want to do no, it? When you we can do this, and then I'll and then we'll we'll talk about it. Okay, so um, you know some of the questions. Uh, there are questions that nobody can answer other than the people at Hallis Hall. Uh, so you might have phrased a question that is asking Greg to speculate on something, and that uh, of course wouldn't be fair to to Greg. We might be able to rephrase the question and ask it from a theoretical standpoint. Um, and then there were some other questions, Greg, that perhaps you don't want to get into because it would be unfair to certain people. Can you explain that? Well, right now there's five games to go, and Matt Eberflus is the head coach. Yeah. Regardless of what some people want to write in the media and what other people want to say on the radio, he still has a job. And until that changes or it becomes 100% obvious because there's no way it's 100% obvious right now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people, in fact, you know, listening to uh, Wanstead yesterday and Wani goes, well, I think he saved his job already. But mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his opinion, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's all it is right now is opinion. And having been in the business and – haven't and had to listen to some of that stuff while sitting in Hallis Hall. 
I didn't like it because a lot of times you know it's it's bullshit, you know, because you know what's going on, and you can't come out with a statement every day. Once you come out with a statement once, mm-hmm. you're giving in. You gotta you gotta answer every single statement or rumor or theory that comes out going forward, and you don't want to do that. You just shut right. up. Right. Right. Well, and, and that could uh, lead to my first question that I have for you. Okay. Uh, um, and and this is about arguing in at Hallis Hall and at the 31 other headquarters for the National Football League. And I'll give you a hypothetical, sort of. Earlier in the season, you uh, were done with Justin Fields. You said, I have seen enough to know that this guy is not – the answer. And then over time, you said, well, wait a minute, I'm changing my mind because I'm seeing more and more issues with the offensive coordinator or how, I don't know if you worded it precisely that way. I I, I had the issues with the play calling. Okay. Like what? Nine, nine freaking screen passes or something like that last week. And now I'll tell you what I don't like. And I guess uh, Getsy talked yesterday, and he kind of threw Fields under the bus. And mm-hmm. it's not the first time he's done it. And, you know, about, well, these are RPOs, so Justin's got the option. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said to me on a question on Twitter, yeah, but it wasn't his call of, call the RPO that has that option. And, you know, it's – there's truth to it on both sides, whether we're never going to know if, if it was a mistake on Justin's part, if he should have handed off versus the screen. But a bunch of those didn't look like they were RPOs to me. They looked like they were flat-out screen passes. Totally agree. And, and, and different things. And there's just way too many, especially when the other team knows that they're coming. Mm-hmm. You know, if you times a game – in certain moments, certain moments of the game, that's fine. But to use as a, as a staple of the offense, that's that's ridiculous. And there's a lot better ways that you could attack all-out blitzing, like Minnesota was doing. But that being said, I think where I've come about face a little bit on Justin is that I don't think the play calling does him any service. We've seen some really good games. Yeah. So there, there, there's talent there. Mm-hmm. And I want to say this, too. The scheme itself is an excellent scheme. San Francisco uses it. The Rams use it. Green Bay uses it. Houston's using it right now. They all have their own little take on it, but it's a damn good scheme, and it's proven to be a winner. Okay, mm-hmm. now it gets how are you using that scheme? And that's in the hands of the guy calling the plays. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So that leads to my question. Have you ever experienced yourself or heard of a story that you can share with us of a scouting director having problems with the head coach or a coordinator regarding how they are handling a player that they pounded the table for and said, this guy is going to be a good player for this organization, a good player for the NFL, but you are, excuse my language, fucking him up. Well, yeah, but like in any corporate situation, you've got change of command. So Mm -hmm. let's say, Hypothetically, 
we drafted a guy and I didn't like the way he's being used. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not my job. You know, Lovey was here most of the time I was there. Wasn't my job to go to Lovey. Okay. I'm overstepping bounds. My job is to go to Jerry and talk to Jerry. Then it's okay. Jerry's job to say he can agree or disagree. And then when he has his daily meetings with Lovey, he can bring stuff up. And he can even say, hey, Greg doesn't, Greg thinks you ought to be using so and so differently. You know, Lovey might say, oh, Greg isn't coaching. Well, you know, Lovey and I had a great relationship. So I'm, I'm just, you know, Sure. Throwing shit at the wall here, but um, you know, but that—that's how you would do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got you got to work it the right way. And the last thing you want to do is start ruffling feathers, because mm -hmm. that makes the situation worse. Ah, okay. Well, you know, I I find it to be fascinating because I think that you know some of that could be going on at. Uh, at Soldier, excuse me, at Hallis Hall right now, uh, there could be you know scouts and scouting directors and so forth unhappy with this this uh, coaching regime or and or coordinators regarding how some of the players are being uh, handled. But uh, we'll talk about that more as time goes on. Let's get to some of the Fairness questions. Is, one second. Fairness is with that sure. though. If it is or it isn't, we're never going to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be put out there. Somebody can, you know, write it or rumor has it. Well, rumor is rumor. Mm -hmm. Unless mm -hmm. you know it's fact. Yeah. Then it, it, it's a different story. Absolutely. There's a lot of rumors, and, and, and especially, you know, people have narratives. There's been a lot of narratives going on in this town over the last month, six weeks mm -hmm. about who should be playing, who should be coaching, who should be. All it, yeah, it's opinion. A lot of it, especially when it comes from talk radio, is to set a narrative within the fan base because they know they can lead that. They got the listeners to do it, All and right. so they, you know, so they can set up for discontent if they want. They All can right. run that any way they want. You know, is that fair? See, I don't personally. I don't think it's fair. That's why I don't like. It. You know, let's be, let's talk facts and be above board, and. If you don't know what the facts are, you shut the fuck up. Excuse my language, because you know, because then we're talking on our rear end. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, there's a lot of that, um, especially now with social media. Everything is amplified because opinions that were only shared in in a bar are now all over the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I get that. I don't have to agree with it, but I get it. Mm -hmm. Right, indeed. Okay, uh, let's get to some of the questions. Let me start with some of the ones that came in uh, via X yesterday. I start with Gillian, who says, "If the bear, there we go. If the bears fire Eberflus, do you think Poles should stay or go?" And so, uh, you know, uh, obviously, we just added a I'll disclaimer to this one. I'll answer okay. this one. All right, Poles ain't going anywhere. You can take that to the bank. Uh, you know what happens with the other thing that remains to be seen. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and, and there could be a lot of different scenarios. Mm -hmm. in, in fairness, you, you know, there's things you can put on flutes, there's things you can eat that maybe aren't totally his fault, but he's the head coach. So, in essence, it's his fault, you know. So, mm -hmm. and until, like I say, it becomes obvious, 
And that's like, you know, I, I'm on record of saying they got to win four out of five. There's five left. They got to win four. Maybe yeah. three, but I think it's closer to four, including this week, <laughs> including up in Green Bay that, um, you know, if he wants to save his job. So, but until that happens, it's all speaking. Now, all of a sudden you lose the next three games. Well, then I think, you know, it could be a foregone conclusion. Because then at most you're going to win six games on the year, or you know. So let, let's let's see how that one plays out. But as far as polls, he ain't going anywhere. And I okay. like I say, I think you can take that one to the bank. Well, uh, Greg, isn't there a caveat to what you said about winning against Detroit and in Green Bay? For instance, if the Bears, if it's a 21 to 20 game and, and Justin throws a perfect pass into the end zone and uh, the rookie drops the pass or the veteran drops the pass, you're, you're not going to blame that loss on Eberflus, you know what I'm well, saying? And in other words, how, many times, how, many times, how many times does a game actually get down to one play? Yeah. No, okay. Rarely. The, the, yeah. The, yeah the, so you can go back. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, in Super Bowl 25 against mm-hmm. Buffalo, um, we had a third and goal or something on like the three-yard line. And Otis Anderson took it in for a touchdown, which would have taken – the field goal attempt by Buffalo would have made it mean nothing, even a touchdown for them, because we would have had better than an eight-point lead at that point. But mm-hmm. there was a, a holding call on that um, touchdown, uh, negated the touchdown, we kick a field goal, Buffalo goes down, they attempt a field goal, they did it. But was that one play the – the difference? No. How about we held on to the ball for 42 minutes for that game and shut down their offense? You know, yeah, that's right. what was the story of the game was not one freaking play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jeff writes, totally agree with you, Greg. When was the last time a GM collected mm-hmm. this kind of capital between draft picks and salary cap health? Poles has done a good job in t- in terms of the rebuild. He's made some mistakes, like every GM has made mistakes. They're not, not- G- there's no virgins in this world. Trust me, they all make mistakes, and, and <laughs> some are going to be some are going to be bigger than others. You know what? But you know, you got to look at the whole body of work, mm-hmm. and you look at his plan. His plan is a good, sound plan. Yes, the way it he is. wants to do it. What cracks me up, and we'll get into being closer to the draft is how many people keep pushing for certain positions for him to draft. And when you look at, at, you know, he spent his whole career in Kansas City, and you look what Kansas City did and who we learned from, they ain't doing that. You know, that's not uh, his philosophy. And he's yeah. already shown it in two drafts. Yeah. Uh, Jordan uh, makes an interesting point here. What a shame for Greg, though, and others in a scouting department. They watch players constantly being asked to move and play out of position. Hester played cornerback and wide receiver Olsen was traded away and then he goes on GM is supposed to buy the groceries and his scouting staff is supposed to point him to the best brands and types of groceries the coaches and the sh- are the chefs and they are missing those groceries and they are missing those groceries ingredients okay, what do you I want, think I want to answer that 
First of all, let's go to Devin. Devin was drafted to be a DB. Mm-hmm. Devin had played some running back at Miami. And, and let's be fair. Miami didn't know what the hell to do with Devin. He was a very talented kid when he had the ball in his hand. Great punt return. Some of his mm-hmm. punt returns at, at Miami are just like historical. They're so freaking good. They're highlight film. Um, one against Duke was outrageous. The but you know, he played some running back. He never, I don't think he played wide receiver, but he played DB, played, but he couldn't find a position. Part of it was Devin was not a real confident guy when he was real young. He was confident in his own abilities, but he wasn't like outgoing. And he he I'm not gonna say he was in a shell, but we learned from through doing our research that you know. You know, is that old saying that you got to coach every player alike? That's the biggest misnomer ever made. You coach a player to get the best out of that player, whatever it takes to get out of that player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Levin, Levin, Devin, you had to put your arm around him and love him. Yeah. You know, you, you did not get in his face and holler at him. You got in his face and holler at him. He was going in the tank. You know, mm-hmm. so, and, and we got the best out of him. Now, what happened was, you know, he was like that a returner in like the fifth corner as a rookie. But because he was the fifth corner and he had, you know, we had, you know, like a 10 man practice squad back then, nine man practice squad. You know, some of the guys, these backups had to play for the scout team, another position. So Devin was a wide receiver on the scout team when our um, defense was practicing. Nobody on the damn defense could cover the guy. Mm-hmm. And he's raw. So it was like, we got to make this guy a receiver. And that's how it happened. It had nothing to do with trying to screw him up. The best place for him was receiver. He mm-hmm. was never going to be number one. You know, at best, he was going to be a number three. Right. You know, part of it was inexperience at position. But we knew we had reached a ceiling at, at corner. And he probably never would have been better than a four. I mean, his we drafted him to be a returner, to do what he's going to get in the Hall of Fame for doing. And then everything else was a bonus. Yeah. Okay, do you, so, go ahead. Do, I was, I was going to ask, do you think that Jay Cutler helped or hindered or didn't matter to Hester's progression as a wide receiver? Yeah, I, I was only with Jay like one and a half years, so I can't really. Mm-hmm. But Jay, hey, look at Jay had talent, but he's a motherfucker. Okay, and and he, a lot of people he didn't do any favors for. Right. So, yeah. um, now with Greg Olson, Jerry didn't want to get rid of him. I didn't want to get rid of him. Nobody wanted to get rid of him. One guy wanted to get rid of him, Mike Marks, because Mike Marks didn't know what the hell to do with him. Oh my God. And Lovey being the guy that, that hired Mike Marks. He had to have Mike. We tried to talk Lovey out of hiring Mike Marks for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. He said that's not the right decision. And Lovey wouldn't do it. Marks gave Lovey his, his first DC job. Lovey felt indebted to him or, or whatever. But Marks had no idea what to do with, with Greg Olson. And so he wasn't there to play. And, and you know, to this day, Jerry said, "I didn't want to do it. 
no choice. Wow. He, see, he was going to sit on the bench or maybe not even be active, or I can try to get something. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 it does seem, you know, that the GM, well, I don't know. I'm going to wrestle with that one a little bit because it seems to me like, well, hey, we brought we brought you in here. There's quality people here. Figure out a way to use that quality. Yeah, but see that that see, that's the thing. You got contracts involved here now, Aldo. Yeah. And you got people, and, and yeah, okay. The GM decides who's on the team. The coach decides who plays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You cannot make a coach play a guy. Mm. You're violating his contract if you do. You can suggest, but you can't make them. Yeah. Unless Indeed. the GM has power over who plays and very, you know, there might be one or two. Of course, you got Belichick, who he's got control over everything. Mm. You know, so, but it's, it was a disservice on Mike Mark's part to not, you know, really a disservice against Greg Olson, who on top of being a great footballer is a quality person. Great football player is a quality person. Mm -hmm. Great guy. And you know, he didn't want to leave here. But yeah, he we, had, we had no choice. And and you know, people can complain and bitch about it, but I guess I guess the best way to answer is that you have to be in the situation mm -hmm. to see, you know, and and it's like, like there was a, a free agent we wanted to sign. And I, I can't remember his name offhand, but he was pretty good pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And Lovey dug his heels in. Said, "I don't want him." But we all wanted him, and so it's like well, Lovey says, "Go ahead and sign him. I'm not playing him, and I'm in charge of who plays." So we didn't sign him. You know, so and that happened. It doesn't just happen here; it happens everywhere. Yeah, you got coaches want to play certain guys, and I learned one thing. Through that and other things, you can never force a player down a coach's throat. Mm -hmm. That coach will find a way to ruin that play. Yep. Okay, so just walk away from it, move on, and get to the next guy. And you can't force a coach, a position coach, or a coordinator on a head coach. The same results. You're going to well, get the coach. Well, stuff that has changed, and, and again, it's it's contractual. For years and years and years, the, the coach had total control over his, his coaching staff. Mm -hmm. In recent years, mm -hmm. there's been GMs hiring some coaches because a lot of times the coaches, you know, depending on what their experience is, where they've been, they're, they're, they don't have a full idea who how good some of these people are. And yeah. so, you know, they they – they want to be put in a familiar situation. I know right. him. I trust him. Yada, yada, yada. Well, one thing we used to have the scouts do, their job wasn't to only scout football players. Mm -hmm. Their job is to scout coaches. Oh, you know, okay. so they're at Michigan. They're at Notre Dame, whatever. And, and they see a, a coach or two coaches, position coaches that are really good. You know, just watching them work with the players, and they say this mm -hmm. guy belongs in the NFL. Then you keep track of that. You write a little report, and we have, you know, guys. That, and then you start to do research on it, so that if a position job opens up, 
you can say, hey, talk to this guy. Mm. You know, we, we, we got some good reports on this guy is how good he is. Okay. Good stuff, Greg. And we've got uh, several more questions here. Let me go to Baba Black Sheep. Uh, last night on Twitter, he wrote, who is your favorite Bears that you helped to draft and why? Baba Black Sheep wants to know. Yeah, I, I fall in love with all of them. I mean, you know, that's there's a lot of work that goes into a draft. Mm -hmm. Which brings up, that can bring up where I was going to, you know, we're talking about the the take, you know, with the wide receivers. Right. What we used to do going into the draft, say for the final month, mm -hmm. we get into April, and before the scouts came in for meetings, every afternoon, Jerry, myself, Lovey, the coordinator on that side of the ball, and the position coach would sit and watch tape. Now, we used to make – now, back when I came here, and actually the whole time I was here, nothing was digitized. Every, it was just starting to get digitized when mm -hmm. I left, but everything was on beta. Okay, so – and now, you know, you can, it, you can do things so much more quickly with everything being digitized. But mm -hmm. back then, it was on beta. So we used to make what we call time codes. And – you know, for lack of a better term, you could say it was a highlight film, but it really wasn't a highlight film because it had highlights and lowlights. So when I'm watching a game, let's say I'm watching uh, Michigan Ohio State, and I'm and, and I'm doing the players. I'm gonna if when I see plays that I like, let's say I'm doing an offensive tackle. So for an offensive tackle, you know, you might. For one game, profile 25 plays. Now, you're not going to profile his best 25 because you want to put what's good and bad on that tape. So when it's all said and done, the profile tape is going to cover tons of games, and sometimes both as junior season and senior season. And, you know, there might be 300 plays on that thing or more when, it, when it's over. And like I say, good and bad. And so then the idea is you know exactly what that player is by watching the profile tape. You know, you could take a DB. DB is not involved in every play. You know, so yeah. it's really you got to watch a ton of tape because they're they're not involved. Right. So, But an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, they're involved in every play. Every you know, play. so it's easier to do it. But, you want to get an idea of what the player is, and the profile tape was supposed to be pretty damn close to what that player was. So we would have the players, you know, ranked in levels that the scouting staff had already set up, A level, B level, and C level. Mm -hmm. Then we'd watch it. We'd start with the A's. And – we watch, go all through the profile tape, then go on to the next guy, then go on to the next guy, then go on to the next guy. And when you're going back to back to back to back like that, mm -hmm. it's real easy to rank order because you're it's right there in front of you. You know, there's there's nothing getting in the way from from being able to analytically look at that player and see what his strong points are, his weak points are, and who you'd rather have. So then at the end, we get done with the A players. Okay, let's rank them. 
okay, this guy's number one, this guy's number two, this guy's number three, this guy's number four. Mm-hmm. We did that for every freaking position. Wow. You know, especially, you know, the, the positions that we knew we were going to hit early. Mm-hmm. So we had, and then we have, because the cross-check scout wasn't there, and the cross-check scout, you know, obviously, the cross-check scout was a position cross-check scout. So, like, Ballard had the DBs. Ballard and I both did the DBs, and because there's always so many of them. So I would do more safeties, and Chris would do more corners. But let's say we're doing corners. Chris lived down in Texas, so he wasn't going to be up here a month before. He's got schools to go to. But we'd get him on the phone. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this guy versus this guy, because you've done it, and just get his opinion. So you're you're getting a, a pretty thorough discussion, you know, which brings me to what I wanted to do with some of these wide receivers. Okay. Personally, after doing a lot of these guys, I'm not saying anything against Marvin Harrison. The guy is a great player. Mm-hmm. But he's not head and shoulders above the next guy. You know, the next guy to me would be neighbors from LSU. Okay, when you start looking at these guys and you can see and you go back to back to back like that, it's like, yeah, now I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, but Marvin Harrison's got a publicity machine <laughs> that is second to none. And right. it starts with his father being in the Hall of Fame. So he's got to be great. His dad was in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But you watch all the tape, and, you know, he's been annoyed. Again, I'm not taking anything away from him. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that what do you – when you get into drafting, take him second or third. You don't. Maybe I'd rather have neighbors at nine to get, you know, a better player at a premium position. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's – that's the whole purpose of why I want to do that because a lot of the fans, they just hear stuff. They don't mm-hmm. know. They're not taking anything away from it. They don't know. I mean, they're not, they're not professional evaluators. Oh yeah. He's great. You got to have him. You mm-hmm. know, there's a couple of people around here. that got love affairs with Marvin Harrison, which is fine. But last year they had love affairs with Jackson Smith and Jigba. We had to have him in the top end. He's the guy you got to get. In fact, I have to take him with a, with the ninth pick we got, or the tenth pick we got from from Carolina in that trade down, he's the guy. Well, where'd he go? Nineteen or twenty? Did yeah. he have a big year? No, he got forty five catches and he's mm-hmm. averaging ten yards a game. In other words, you know they're giving this guy a BJ and he didn't deserve it. You know he's he, he's he's a good player. He's not a difference maker. Excellent. Well, and then we saw last night, if you saw the Steelers game, uh, Pickens, uh, the wide receiver from the Steelers, uh, a lot of us Bears fans wanted him. And, He's a uh, fucking boy, dog. He really is, man. A talented dog. But yes. when, you know what? When you, do, when you do the research, and that's why you hire scouts, that, mm-hmm. you know, go out and find out. You can have Georgia coaches jumping on the table for this kid. He's disruptive. Mm-hmm. He's selfish. He's an I need my guy. And and that one play, I didn't watch the whole game, but I turned on and I watched the show to Zephyr for blocking. He stood at the line of scrimmage. And Deontay Johnson did that uh, a couple of games ago. So you got to yeah. wonder, have they stopped Which, that, listening that to Tom? That falls on the – it does. Well, 
falls on the receiver coach first, but Tomlin yeah. should be all over the ass of the receiver coach. Yep. You know, but yeah. it, when, when you get that kind of effort, that's not helping your run game. Mm-hmm. You know, compare no, yeah. that with, you know, you can say what you want about, about flus and everything, but look at the effort the receivers here give at the blocking game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. We got a lot of questions to get to. So uh, let's go to BT9. Greg. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> if Lot through the edge out of UCLA passes his medicals, do you see him worthy of a top five pick? And do you see him as one of the best pass rushers since Bosa? This is a great question, Greg, because I've been wondering that too. I've started playing around a little bit with mock drafts just to get familiar with some of the players that are available. I'll do the research on players. And to me, Latu seems like the best. Uh, Hands down. Yeah. Not even close. Is he a top five talent? Absolutely. Ooh. The big question is, uh, does he – and it's it's a legitimate concern, but reality is, is it really or should it be a concern? And let mm-hmm. me, this might take me a couple minutes to explain. The okay. – Okay, he played his freshman year, 2019, at the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Ball practice in 20. He hurts his neck. He's got to have surgery. So he's going to miss the season. Six, seven months later, I guess he still had numbness. And hell, I got numbness in my leg where I had, you know, where I had my Achilles surgery and my knee replacement, and it's years later. I mean, you know, that's nerve situation. I mm-hmm. guess when you get as old as I do, nerves don't recuperate as fast as with a young guy. But <laughs> anyway, because of that, they would not pass his medical and would not allow him to play football again at the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, he sat out 20. And he even sat out 21. He was like buying in. But he felt, then he gets into 21 and he's feeling really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like this. Um, so it's like, I'm going to transfer. Or, you know, beginning of 22, he transferred in that spring. He transfers to UCLA. So he goes through practice at UCLA the whole fall of 22. Spring and, and fall practice in, for the 23 season. Mm-hmm. He hadn't missed any time. He hadn't missed practice time. He hadn't missed game time. He hasn't gotten hurt. He's been productive as hell. So one of the criteria a lot of doctors use is, has he played? Right. And he's played. Has he missed time because of, or had another a recurrence or anything? In this case, nope. So that will play big into whatever the evaluation. Now, the biggest thing will be, you know, probably within an hour of him getting off the bus at, at the player's hotel in, in Indy, you're going to have an MRI on his neck. And that MRI is going to go to 32 doctors. And they'll probably be, now, there might be a team that brings a, a spine specialist with them to the combine just for that particular guy because he's so good. There probably will be a spine specialist there. Um, but the bottom line is, is 
32 te- it, it, it's like grades in a draft. 32 mm-hmm. teams aren't going to have the same grade on. Some are going to say he's good to go. No restrictions, take him whenever you want him. Others are going to be, I don't know, red flag. And then there could be others say, well, I don't want him, you know, hurting his neck and, and get paralyzed on my watch. You know, mm-hmm. being more of, of cautious. Well, you know what? That can happen to you or I. You know, you, you get hit right away. It doesn't have anything to do with the, the other injury. So because of my experience with how these, the people deal with, with injuries and how the doctors look at them, because a lot of times doctors look at them, you know, when they come up with a, a uh, prognosis, they're looking at what they already know from previous experience, say with a, a similar type injury. So they mm-hmm. use that. But, I, you know, I think it's fair to say he's going in the first round. Somebody's going to take him pretty damn high. How the Bears are going to feel? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I guarantee you they're going to have they're going to bring his ass in, and he's going to go to some specialist who's the best in town with that type of thing, and and they're going to come up with uh, you know an idea and a prognosis and say he's either good or bad. And you know what? And, and there's going to be reports. You get like, he's fine. He passed his physical. You know, Rappaport will put it out or Schefter or somebody <laughs> like that. Right. Well, you know what? Yeah, they got that from one team, and one team said he passed their physical. That does not mean the other 31 teams did. Exactly. You know, so you, you got to be that's the publicity hype machine, and you got to be very, very careful. There's a lot of times I've seen where they put out, oh, yeah, he's fine. He's good to go. And now well, we got him plunked. Okay. <laughs> you know, so no, he's not good to go for, for every team because I know he's not good to go with us. That's good stuff. All right, back to our questions. Let's see. Uh, the shy animal, will the Bears take a left tackle in the first round or continue to stay the course with Braxton? I can answer this because you've said it a million times. Braxton Jones is the left tackle of the Chicago Bears Sunday and for the foreseeable future. And that could be there's, a long time. There's not a person in the house all of them think he's going to be great. Yeah. And I know that for a fact. Okay. Now, Braxton Jones, we've said this many times, he's got traits the first rounders have. Mm-hmm. He's over 6'5. He's got 35 and like a half or 35 and a quarter inch arms. You, that's exactly what you want. He's was real strong in the upper body. Great athlete. He ran 489 and 315 pounds or 314 pounds. Guy's an athlete. He and when, and when you watch tape when he's out in space, he does things that very few big linemen can do. What he didn't have last year and it showed was a good anchor. But he worked on that during the offseason. Part of that is where he came from. He came from Southern Utah, a lousy FCS program. And, you know, they never won any games. So the traits were there. When you're drafting a football player, especially a lineman, you're looking for traits. He's got elite traits. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, he didn't miss one play as a rookie. That's Every right. single snap of the offense. Now, this year he missed four or five games. He had a neck injury. Came back from that neck injury, too, just like, like you know, whatever it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> the... Uh, but he's damn good, and he's only going to get better. 
So yeah. why do you take somebody else? Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. And then you're putting a guy, a rookie in there when you got a guy going into his third year with a shitload of experience. That's right. You know, you draft a you draft a left tackle. He might not be better than Braxton Jones. I mean, I, there are some good tackles in this draft. In fact, I think yeah. we got a list of them. You know, this is Donald from Penn State, all from uh, Notre there. Dame, are probably the, yeah. the the two best left tackles. Yep. Um, There's a lot I've of done groups. both. I've done both. I'll take Braxton over him. He got better upset. Oh, there you go. There you go. We'll be talking more about tackles in the weeks to come, but that there is your endorsement right there. Greg Gabriel said he would take Braxton Jones over the top two tackles coming out in the draft. What does All right. I, you know, if I was still the position I was, I'd be drooling over that guy mm -hmm. because you don't find him. Yeah. The traits that he has, you do not find. He's not in every draft. They got lucky, and the luck began when he went to – Southern Utah, because who knows what the hell he was in, in high school. Some yeah, kids exactly. are late bloomers. Yeah, exactly. Benyasaurus asks, what's your favorite Robbie Gold moment to announce his retirement yesterday? Oh, I just like Robbie as a person. I mean, Robbie came in, you know, I think he was in New England's camp originally, but we had liked him. Um, and like most kickers, you know, we didn't get drafted. Only a couple place kickers get drafted a year. And so we followed him in preseason, and he did a pretty good job. And then around the third game or something like that, we signed him. So he's a rookie, and I think this is like his first or second game, and it's on the road. And he had made a couple kicks. Mm -hmm. So – you know, especially after you win, the plane ride back is, is fun. It's very casual. Everybody's up, moving around, partying and everything else. So he's in the back of the plane, in the galley in the back of the plane. It's 757. Carrying on conversation, holding court. And you'd think this guy was a six-year vet. He was a rookie playing his first or second game for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> so, you know, it just the confidence he had was rare. Yeah. He was, he, uh, and he was uh, the leader of the players' union for a while, or was the representative for the Chicago? Maybe the rep, yeah, but yeah. Robbie's a Robbie's a really, really good guy. Yeah, and I bet uh, you'll be seeing him doing some broadcast work here in Chicago, or maybe nationally. Uh, we haven't heard the last of Robbie Gold, Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's tough for a kicker to get in the Hall of Fame now. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, he might be dead before he gets in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I know I'll be. <laughs> and and it's a hell of a, a, a golfer. I love Pat Manley's tweet last night. He said, well, it's about time now I can take your money now that you're retired. You know, <laughs> That's good. Because they always played a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know because Manley moved into the city. So I don't know if Manley is still, and I'm not going to mention the club. They're both members at this one club and um, played a lot. But mm -hmm. when Pat moved into the city, I don't know if he stayed, if he held on to his membership there because of the, from the city to the, where that club is, a pretty long haul. Okay. He, he lives downtown right now. His daughter's okay. going to school in, in the city. Season tickets to at Soldier Field. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, it was 
uh, somebody asked Gillian uh, your favorite uh, draft pick. Uh, Jordan, I want to share this fr from Jordan. He says his favorite draft pick that you made was Major Wright. He knows he hurt Erlacher, but Major was so good coming out of college. You uh, uh, tell us a little well, bit about Major. Major was a was a third round pick. We were going to take a safety. I think he was actually the second or third safety we had stacked. Mm -hmm. in that group and the first two went in front of them but a very one of the hardest guys that i ever had to evaluate and the reason being is his last year at florida i watched every game and if i could find eight plays to put our profile tape from that last season that would mm -hmm. be a lot Nobody threw to the middle of the field against Florida. They had him at one safety and Hill, and I can't remember Hill's first name, as the other safety. Both of them were damn good football players. They always threw outside. So you saw range. You saw run support. I'm like, I don't know what he can do in coverage. I don't see it. You know, you got. I had to go back to his first two years of Florida and look at that tape. Because oh. the year before, there was a you know, there's teams were attacking the center of the field more than they were. But you just, and I'm not lying, that I had to probably look at 16 or 17 games mm -hmm. to really get a feel good for what this guy was. Mm. Well, uh, he was one of my favorite uh, safeties. And uh, let's get to the next question here. It comes from Jeff Willis. Can you tell us a little bit about hand usage? When it comes to scouting linemen, offensive and defensive, and how you determine whether a player is advanced or needs significant work in that area of hand usage. Well, first of all, it's a it's a great question. But when you're going in, you got to try to figure out what the guy's been taught. And, uh -huh. and there's there's doesn't matter if it's the offensive side or defensive side. There's some coaches that are more inclined to, you know, work on angles, on assignments, things like that, and don't really work enough on hand usage. And probably more so with, with defensive linemen than offensive linemen. I remember I made a, a school call. I was doing work for the, for the Eagles. And this one school I was at had a, you know, guy's reputation was pretty renowned as a defensive line coach. Mm -hmm. I was there two days. In two days of individual, he didn't work on hands once. Ooh. And that just jumped out at me. Yeah. Because the guy – so what I'm getting to is I try not to downgrade a guy, an offensive or defensive lineman, for hand usage – because he might not have been taught how to use his hands correctly. And it's something that is very coachable and can be taught. And a great example, Rod Marinelli. Rod Marinelli is huge on hand usage. He spends the first 15 minutes of every practice, or the first part of, no, say the first half of individual, mm -hmm. with nothing but hand work. Mm. And pre-practice, you better be working on your hands. 
when it, do, <laughs> when it doesn't count, you better. I mean, that he just drilled it into you. You had to use your hands. You had to use your hands, and he and all different ways you using your hands. And our guys were damn good using their hands. So it is a coaching thing. So if you see a guy that doesn't use his hands that well, you know, the first thing you got to think, what was he being coached? Now, give me an We were watching, Jerry and I were watching film. It was like lineman from Kale, offensive lineman. So I think he was a right tackle or something. And, and he might have been an inside player. I don't remember where he was. But anyway, he'd set and he'd put his hands out like this right away. And Jerry, oh, big dog, he can't use his hands. You know, <laughs> look at that dog. So, Jerry, look at the other five guys along the line. They're all doing the same thing. Mm. Can't knock him for doing what he's being told to do. Excellent. Just, they bring him out like this, and then he bring him in here. Well, that's yeah. terrible. That's terrible. You want the guy to come out of the stands and be here and, and punch from here. You don't want guys going like this. But mm-hmm. it's... You know, it's proper placement. You know, you got depending on what you're doing, you're going to have like one hand here and another hand right here or whatever. But some of that is advanced. And if the coach doesn't teach it, how can you possibly downgrade the guy for it? Mm-hmm. Now, if he's really good, then you upgrade him. And yeah. I that, you know, I, there's a, a kid I do for this agent I work for, and he was really a freshman. And this was just, I did it, might have been earlier this week or last week, I just said, his hand use for a kid that young was really advanced. Mm-hmm. So some of it was instinctive, or the guy has watched a lot of defensive linemen and just, you know, knows what he wants to be. And, and you know, it sunk in because he was pretty good. But I hope Mr. Willis accepts that answer because that's the best way I can do it. You got you know, you got to be – you got to take it for what it is. You can't kill a guy if he hasn't been coached. Yep. Well, it's great that you observed, you know, that you, you noticed. Gotta, you got to look at the chat. With, with, with offensive linemen and defensive linemen, a lot of it is about, well, you know, the natural traits. You know, can an offensive mm-hmm. lineman bend? Does he have good feet? Does he stand up when he comes out of his stance or does he gradually come up? When you got right. the end zone view, what's he look like in his stance? Is he real comfortable sitting in his stance? Does he get down low or his legs all bowed out? Which means he's tight in the hips and knees and maybe even the ankles. So you got to look at all these little things, but you got to have you got to have the natural traits to work with, and then then you add it with the advanced coaching that you're going to get in the NFL. I, I've got this sudden urge to evaluate Dave now of offensive and defensive linemen. I love it. Uh, Jeff's twin brother, Tim, asked in his presser. Oh, we talked about this. In his presser, gets he said the bubbles were RPOs, and Justin had the chance to hand it off and run, and there were a few that he threw that should have been handoffs. Even if they are RPOs, you still scheme the bubbles and not slants or other quick pass options. So you did talk I, about I, this earlier. I agree. Yeah, I, I already talked about it, but I, I agree with Tim. And I was referring to him when I mentioned it. Ah, okay. um, yeah, I. The play is the play, and but that's it. I didn't like that. That Luke was kind of throwing Justin under the bus on that. Yeah, because you know what? That was what Luke said. Does that make it gospel? I'm not saying you know. 
everybody's got their own way of answering questions, I guess. Yes. Well, you know, and um, it's interesting. Danny Shimon weeks ago started to detect what he thought was uh, Getsy and some of the coaches saying things that were throwing Justin Fields under the bus. Potentially, he said, because they're thinking we need to save our jobs. We're, we're losing too many games and we're going to get blamed when the quarterback is responsible. Well, for guess some of what? The- you ain't saving your job that way. Because the general manager is not an idiot. Yeah. And don't forget, he played the game at a high mm-hmm. level. He's a multi-year yep. starter at Boston College. He was mm-hmm. in our camp. Didn't make, um, you know, didn't make the squad. Obviously, didn't make the practice squad. It's because Ryan Poles has skinny legs. He did not have the natural traits that you want an offensive lineman to have. But he's a good college football player. Okay. Um, Martin asks. Why is the following year's pick considered a round less in value? For the Bears, that could be eight picks higher than the number one overall. What moron came up with this theory, and why is it followed (laughs) league-wide? When you're doing a trade like with the first round, that you throw that out. Because if you're getting a first-rounder, you're getting a first-rounder. And in the case of, you know, when the Bears made that trade with Carolina – Last year, mm-hmm. they didn't know that pick's going to be the first pick. They got right mm-hmm. now five games to go. They got a two-game lead on that first pick. It's right. almost a lock now that it's going to be the – not right. quite, but, you know, the, the New England and Arizona each won three games. So now, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's getting close. Another couple yeah. of weeks, you're going to know it's a lock. The, but generally speaking, like when you're talking third round, fourth round, something like that, then, mm-hmm. yeah, you're getting to get that pick a year later. Right, it's a little bit discounted because you're not seeing them now. You're seeing them a year from now. Mm-hmm. So a, 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 a third next year is like a fourth today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'd rather have that third or I'd rather have that a fourth today that I know I can get a good football player with than where I don't know where the hell that three is going to be next year. Yeah. Oh, exciting times coming. Even Sunday's game I'm looking forward to. Let's win this game. All right, I got more questions for you, and um, let's go to this one. Greg, can you explain how the draft trade value points system works if the Bears were to trade the number one pick? And here's what I did, Greg. When I saw this question, I went and looked for a chart with the trade value. Now, I picked this one only because it aesthetically looked the best of the ones that I picked. It was produced by the Huddle Report. And so these are all hieroglyphics up on the screen because the numbers are so small. They're all all the same. Right. But – when you're trading for the number one pick, well, first of all, that is not a the, the trade chart is not an absolute, it's a guide. Right. Okay. So it, it gives you like a base point. Uh-huh. When you're dealing for the first round, the, the first pick in the draft, second pick in the draft, now it becomes more of a market thing. Who wants mm-hmm. it and what are you gonna pay? You know, so you throw the chart out the window, it means nothing on a mm-hmm. trade like that. So, but if you go back and you start looking at trades as you get into the draft, mm-hmm. they match up pretty damn well. 
you know, so it it's, but, you know, I, I always have it with the, when I'm watching the draft now, uh, you just want to see if it's close. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, depending on where the picks end up, if you're a few points off, so what? Because you know, number one, when you're trading to get a pick, you know the player, you you already know who you're getting. You're trading for that pick to move up to get a particular player. Mm-hmm. So that has value to you. Right. Um, you know, what's interesting here is as I look at this chart, uh, the Bears – if they do end up with the first overall, that's 3,000 points. Right now, the Cardinals, who have the third pick, their uh, value is 2,200. So it's, it's 800 points. So they'd have to come up with a, 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 they'd have to come up with another one. Right. You so know, like, a, a, like a, a, a mid-round one, but right. because you're going from three to one, mm-hmm. you got to pay more than that. Gotcha. Because I, I, I know that I believe Arizona has two first round picks. They do. Uh, I think I, right now it stands at around 18 or something like that, but that'll change. Yeah, right. The, yeah, the I, think, I, I see that. Gonna, yeah, the only one that's not going to change right now, I think, is Carolina. That's just about a lot. Yeah. So I, I, it actually is at 22. So if you were to is trade. That- yeah, if if you were to trade, that would be seven hundred and eighty points with the twenty two hundred. You would actually have to add something on that trade if you wanted to to basically get both first round picks from the Cardinals this year. It's an well, interesting scenario. Yeah, well, first of all, you're gonna you're gonna know who you can get at three, mm-hmm. and and. If, I, I know Foles like last year. He originally wanted to trade in his head. He wanted to trade to the Colts and then down to the Cardinals, but the Colts weren't interested in trading. He wanted to make two trades. So, and when he found out that wasn't going to work, then he just went to uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. But you got to go back, and I don't have it with me. Houston moved up with Arizona last year, what Houston give up? Oh gosh, I forgot. Yeah, well then I mean that gives you an idea, you know, what what <laughs> but again it changes the the, the chart is a guide and the value of the players, the perceived value of the players at the top of the draft play into it too. So it mm-hmm. and if you've got four teams or five teams that want that pick, come on, keep up and how bad you want it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. You got a, one more question here from the X. Uh, uh, Baba Black Sheep is back. Other than uh, CW and DM, are there any quarterbacks you think are worthy of a first-round pick? So other than Williams and Drake May, are there any other quarterbacks you think are worthy of a f- first pick? This guy from LSU, Jaden Daniels, if he comes out, he's Pretty rocking. Oh, he's coming out. He's already he's done. Oh, okay. He's done. Um, I mean, he's he's used up all his eligibility. He's, gotcha. He's pretty darn good. And really, I think really progressed a lot from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't hurt that he's got two first-round caliber receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but you still got to get him the ball, and he's he's deadly accurate. There's a lot of people that really like Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Knicks has played a lot of football. He's played, I think he's been a five-year starter now between Auburn and Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people that like McCarthy. I'm not as high on McCarthy and some others, but I don't think McCarthy gets out of the second round. But you just look at the history of the draft and, and recent years, how many quarterbacks go in the first round. There's going to be four or five. That's the way it is right now. Because and people overvalue the position because I got to get one. And I'm not going to be, and I'm not waiting because if I wait, I may never get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. Got more comments. Uh, Gillian asked, back to the wide receiver. You think that the Bears are going to target a wide receiver early in this draft? Uh, let me How ask early? you this. How early? Let's say the Bears move down to uh, the middle or late first round with one of those picks. Do you think they might grab somebody like a Keon Coleman, who is probably going to be drafted in that round, in that area? I do not believe, looking at Ryan Pohl's history and looking at the history of of who he's worked for, because I already did the exercise. Mm Mm-hmm. Kansas City has never drafted receivers in the first round. Not since Andy's been there. And actually, you know, and, and so going back, and, and they didn't when when uh, Pioli was the head coach. So, or head coach was the GM, and that's who Ryan started with. They recently, they've taken receivers in the second round, but they've been, both the times they've been in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Andy himself, having worked for Andy for one year, he's not a big believer in taking a first-round receiver. Okay, it's – yeah, it's a very, very, very important position. Mm -hmm. But it's not a premium position. And when you're a team like the – when you want to use – let's say you want to use a third or fourth pick in the draft on on, uh, Harrison. Okay, that's fine. But the team who does that could trade up for that mm-hmm. because he they perceive him as the missing link. He's the guy that's going to put us over the top. The Bears aren't, haven't reached that position yet. Yeah. And they, they've got too many other areas that are considered premium where they would do it. I don't care. I can upset all of Chicago. Land. I don't care. <laughs> I will say right now that – the Bears end up drafting in the top four. They will not take care of them. I, like I said, I'd rather have neighbors at eight or nine than at a premium player at three or four than Harrison and a lot lesser player at nine because neighbors uh, is freaking great. And you wrote about him at, at Windy City Gridiron saying yeah, that he's the, the best day. run yeah, after the that. catch receiver. Oh, uh, and, and Eric writes, have you had the uh, uh, chance to check out Malachi the Yak God Corley? I have not. Have you? No. All right. Somebody we will uh, take a look at. and let, we me, wait, back let, me, let me write that name down. Malachi. It's, Mal- it's Malachi. Malachi. I love that. I, I wouldn't spell it that way, but. Malachi. I wish I was named Malachi. Yeah, we had, we had a couple of Malachi's on the uh, on the DC Defenders. That's so. Yeah. Okay. I, I um, learned how that that pronunciation. 
Jordan asks, out of curiosity, what does Greg think of Ryan Post continuing to keep people like Valus Jones on the roster despite woeful production? Even a guy like Dominique Robinson, you could say the same for. What do you think about those guys I, still I, being on the roster? I well, number one, it's only their second year. You're you drafted them, you invested on it. You're gonna give them every opportunity to fail. Um they had high hopes for Robinson going in to this year. But it hasn't translated into production on the field. Um, Valus, you know, it, it's, I'm not going to use age on it because that that's just a number. He's, he's talented, but we haven't seen the talent. Mm -hmm. And part of it's probably confidence or lack thereof, um, yeah, I, I would not be a bit surprised to see him not here. Now, here's here's one thing. We got to make one thing kind of clear here. When we start talking about the draft, players we talk about now, and if they make a coaching change, might not even be in the equation three months from now. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Different schemes. Yes. Yes. But there, you know, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that you said earlier, I think a show or two ago, Greg, that really caught my eye is that you said on defense, you know, the, these schemes are, are almost all complement one another. And so you could take a guy like Jervon Dexter. Yeah, especially when you get into, you know, everybody's playing sub. So they're playing right. four down linemen, two linebackers. Exactly. Defensive backs or whatever. That's true. But when you got your base mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, I was, well, I was watching some of that game last night. And now, you know, Pittsburgh has looked just awful the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's like, could Tomlin be in trouble? You know, and, and then, okay, if Tomlin was in trouble and he was available, would that be a guy he wanted? Okay. Now, <laughs> And the only reason I'm thinking of that and bringing this up is because his defensive philosophy is going to be totally opposite of what Flus is. Mm -hmm. He's he's you know a three four guy, pure three four guy. So you know the way they use you know Sweat would play on his feet, like JJ or TJ Watt plays. You know, and and even though he's a lot bigger. Um, you know, do they have all the bodies they would need to play that scheme the way Tomlin plays? They got a few. I don't know if they got them all. But then you could see that another interior, if that was the case, another interior defensive lineman would become, you know, a, a guy that you either want through free agency or the draft. And don't forget, free agency comes before the draft. You start worrying about what a team's going to draft after they sign their free agents because that you're trying to fill the needs with two different from two different areas. So right. once they take care of one area, then you got the other. Then you go in and say, okay, this is what this is what we've got to attack in the draft. Like for great perfect example was he wanted to go into free agency and hopefully get a right tackle. Okay, got more than and it, it turned out being. 
a blessing because McGlinchey, they were okay with the, the average. They weren't okay with the guarantee. Mm-hmm. And the McGlinchey hadn't played that good. And he got a rookie. So you changed course. Okay, we're, I'm going to draft him. Now, I couldn't get on the draft. Well, the guy he drafts can be better than McGlinchey anyway, probably mm-hmm. by next year. You know, so he might be better right now. So, so totally you know, agree so, with that. You know, so it's that, that's the best way to do it. You've got needs going into both areas, mm-hmm. which you don't get in one, you're going to try to get in the other. Somebody asked a question. I'll put it up here on the screen. Uh, Greg, would you uh, trade uh, for Mike Tomlin? And I'm actually looking up his contract status. It expires at the end of next season. So let's say the Bears decided to move on, and let's say the Steelers said and said uh, uh, Ryan Poles and said, "Listen, I understand you're looking for a head coach. Are you interested in Mike Tomlin? Uh, no, send us a I second round pick." No, wouldn't do it, huh? Why? Well, because if, if, if they're calling you and saying that, means they're going to get rid of them anyway. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'm going to take you yeah. to buy my next car. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jordan wants to know, what do you think about J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback over at Michigan? I like him. I don't love him. You know, he, yeah. he, if you look at it, when he's – first of all, they played two good teams all year. Mm-hmm. Michigan mm-hmm. played a horseshit schedule. Yeah. And Ohio State is the only good team they played. And then they played – and Iowa's defense gave them all they could handle mm-hmm. in the Big Ten championship game last week. Let's see what he does against Alabama. The guy's talented. I think he goes in the second. There's some people who think he'll go in the first, and he may. But – I'm not sold that he's legit. I personally don't think he's a first rounder right now, especially because he has struggled against the better teams. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I feel almost exactly the same way about JJ that you do. I know Jordan loves him and I'm going to study him. I've only casually watched the two or three uh, Michigan games this season, but I want to, I want to understand what it is. Jordan loves so much about that guy. Maybe he can talk about it on his next show. Well, when, you got, when you're throwing a wide open receivers, you better freaking hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, but like I say, look, look at what he uh, played a damn good defense last week. And Iowa doesn't necessarily have the fastest defense, but they're very sound, very well coached. Mm-hmm. And, so he didn't have a real good game, mm-hmm. you know, and there's been, a, you can find other games with does it. It's really tough teams. No question. He's talented. He can make plays with his feet. Got a decent arm. You know, to me, if he's a first, he's a 20 to after 20, 20 to 32 first, not a top 20 first. Mm-hmm. Um, great question here from Bruce Ali Walter Jordan, because I think this is going to impact the Bears draft. What do you think about the play of Jervon Dexter lately? I went into the season thinking the Bears still need a three-tech, but now I'm starting to wonder the priority of drafting a three-tech maybe isn't as much now. Because he is Dexter, a three-tech. 
Exactly. Dexter is coming on and could be a really special three tech. I forget. He only played three years of college. We played an entirely different, played in a two gap scheme. He had learned how to play in an attacking one gap scheme. Mm-hmm. So he had, you know, and, and it's not like he played four. I don't think he played four years of high school football, you know, so his experience has been limited. The, again, go to the traits and the traits are there. And now Justin Jones is in the last year of his contract. Do you keep him and bring him back another year? He's played pretty good. You cannot deny that. And, you know, the rotation is good. But in saying all that, we got, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I said I wouldn't do it. We got to know what are they going to be playing next year? Because that could change everything. Yeah, that is that is fascinating. You know, um, that we'll talk more about that in the near future. In the, these last few minutes, I want to get uh, some more of our questions because we had so many of them. Uh, Leon Leandis, if you can't get a first round pick for your quarterback, do you really have a franchise quarterback? So he was talking. People in the chat were talking about trading Justin Fields and what you would get for him and so forth. So everyone is kind of in agreement. I've heard a lot of people in the media saying for Justin Fields, you're only going to get a second round quarterback. So that, who that, knows what you're going to get for him in reality? Right. You know um, what? Know what he's worth? What another team will pay for him? Yeah. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, what would you pay for him? <laughs> I, you know, I can't answer that because I'm number one, I'm not the Atlanta Falcons. You mm-hmm. know, so it's it's who do they have that you know that um, you know in the case you know Ryan Pace is the uh, director of player personnel there, so he's got some say. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who drafted him, and so maybe he's worth the one to them. You know, yeah. maybe he's not. You cannot deny the raw talent. And I'll go back to what I said. I don't think the play calling, I'm not going to say the scheme, the play calling, because you can make you can make your scheme fit. You can stay within the scheme and still make it fit the strengths of the player. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't think the play calling has helped him. <clears throat> now, could there be some stuff I don't know? Absolutely. You know, but from everything you see on the outside, I, I, I there's a little more to this guy, and, and and I don't like all the noise that he has to go through. I, I, I this week they're talking to him. You know, the media is saying, well, "What do you think about this? You might get traded about it." He goes, "I only control what I can control." Well, guess who's making the noise? The assholes that were asking him the fucking question. <laughs> right? I mean, is that true? So there, if I'm just I say, well, if you guys shut up, I don't have to worry about it because you're the guy saying it. They're doing their job, though, right? <laughs> am, am I telling the truth? Uh, you're telling the truth, but that's the media's job. <laughs> that's, but that's they the... bring up they bring up narratives that aren't necessarily true. That is, and they correct. end up putting pressure on a player maybe he doesn't deserve. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Foster has a question about this upcoming game. Uh, Greg, with the D-line not up to par in Detroit, do you think we should run the ball more this time around versus the Lions than we did in that first matchup? 
Well, yeah. and one de- that one defensive lineman, deep guys out. Aleem McNeil. Yeah. And Aleem McNeil. Yeah, he's very out. Good. Yes. He got yes. hurt. In fact, I thought he wasn't before they put him on IR. I was watching their game last week against New Orleans. He got hurt two or three different times in that game where he had to come out. Yeah. So you knew that, you know, his his days for for this week were mm-hmm. numbered. So uh, now he's out for at least four weeks and, you know, who knows, maybe longer. Um, you got to look at a number of things. First, the weather. Right now, the weather's mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Um, and dry is it gonna stay that way for sunday um that's gonna i think he's gonna try to run Mm -hmm. but you know how good your your running games as good as your offensive line can block for that and generally speaking this team you know at least over the last seven eight games has blocked pretty damn well for the run and you're gonna have foreman back well, I think it's the best back they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I didn't know Foreman was going to be back, and that yeah, is yeah. He's great been he's news. been he's been full in practice the first two days. I smell a Bears win here, Greg. I really do. I you know what I do too. You know what? Put it this way, they know they blew the last one in mm-hmm. Detroit's house, yep. in perfect conditions. Yep. Okay, well, this game ain't going to be perfect conditions for Detroit. Perfect for the Bears and not perfect for Detroit. And I think that when you've watched Detroit over the last month, they're not as good as they were mm-hmm. the first half of the season. Yeah. That's right. I, I think, and it, it, there's a lot of injuries that are starting to really impact th- uh, their play on defense. Offensively, they can still play. They've got an injury now to their center, Frank Ragnow, but he, he, I think he might play. Uh, no, I, I don't. I, I don't think he's practiced yet. He might. Have. Okay. I, I looked. I, he did not practice on mm-hmm. Wednesday. I did not look at yesterday's designation. But then they put Glasgow over. They have to really change two positions because they moved Glasgow from guard into center. So you're mm-hmm. changing two positions to fix one. Um, golf is good when he's got a clean pocket. And I'll say this, like I said, going into the first game. Hit that guy in the mouth once or twice, it's all over. Mm-hmm. He yep. tanks. Yeah. That's so true. So true of many of us, too. You hit me a couple of times in the mouth, uh, you'll never see me again. I'm out the door. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, squeeze a couple more in. And then I promise for the questions that we did not get through, I'm going to grab screen grabs. And the next time we get together, we'll, we'll address those. Bear Truth 9 has an interesting question. How would Ryan Pose or GMs that you know of, Greg, break down offensive and defensive game tape to make sure that they know exactly what they are seeing to be able to accurately keep coaches accountable. They have people who help them. That's a great question. The breaking down of all of this tape, and you earlier in the show, and I urge everyone, if you've missed part of the show, go back and please listen to the rest because you're going to learn a lot. But if, you know, the whole aspect of having a scouting department, it's really difficult to double or in some cases triple check the work of your scouts. But how 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 do you but go your about? Scouts doing your, your scouts aren't doing your own team. 
okay. Yeah, they're still in college, but now you might have a, a pro scout, but the like I go back to when, when I was here hmm? and you know, it wasn't digitized, so we didn't get to watch the tape until you know the next morning. Right. Where now you could watch it on, you know, literally watch it on you can be done watching the tape, depending on how long the play ride is. You can watch the game five times on the plane, you know, depending on what you're looking for. But mm -hmm. Gian's job is to know the scheme and to know what his players or what the players are being asked to do. And you know, it's not easy to you got to review 22 players both sides of the ball. Right. It takes time. It takes a position coach. That's why I laugh at, at pro football focus. You know, they come out with grades two hours after a game. Give me a freaking <laughs> break. It takes a, 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 a position coach, unless he's got like the tight ends, he's only got a couple guys. You know, mm -hmm. it takes a position coach who has a, a good sized group. Four or five hours to grade his players. Mm -hmm. And he knows exactly what they're being asked to do on every single play. You know, so where these idiots at PFF, they don't know what the guy's supposed to do. Right. They don't know what the what each player is, is designated to do on a certain play. They're guessing. Yeah. So I laugh at some of those grades. They're just, there's no way they are close to being accurate. But, but what about the scouts who are looking at college tape? Is there a way that the GM, you know, how how, do, how does he evaluate the scouting of, of his scouts? Well, number one, the, the scouts are supposed to know. Remember, we've talked about this before. We especially talked about it last spring. There's a profile mm -hmm. written up for every position. That's right. Okay, so. Within this scheme, there's a profile. We know what we're looking for in a left end. We know what we're looking for in a right end. We know what we're looking for in a nose. We know what we're looking for a three. We know what we're looking for in a mic and a, and a will, et cetera. So you're grading your – when you go out in the fall, you're grading your players based on the profile. Mm -hmm. Now, what you cannot do is downgrade the guy because he doesn't fit the profile. Give them a fair grade. You're just not going to draft them. Right. You know, you, so, you know, when we had the plus minus system or vanilla, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, in a plus money was a fit. So you say, right. okay, I'm going to give him an A67 plus. You know, that's a, a lower first round pick and a plus means he fits the scheme. Mm -hmm. But if I give him an A67 minus, he can't do what he's going to be asked to do. So I might not even – yeah, he's a 67. He's a good football player, but I'm not drafting him. Why am I going to take a player that can't do what we're going to ask him to do? Mm. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. What time is it? we got about five minutes left here. Uh, i I got to make a quick announcement on the show. We've got uh, – a special Mike North, somebody big just died, coming up at 12.30, and Norman Lear. Greg, you know Norman Lear, the creator? I mean, I know who he is. I don't know him. Funny, <laughs> but, funny, funny. Great, great writer. Yeah, all in the family. The Jeffersons, uh, Maude, all those shows that you and I grew up watching. They probably great couldn't books. even put all in the family on TV now because of <laughs> no. the 
the Indeed. woke public wouldn't allow it. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, let's see. One last one here. <clears throat> and then we'll get everybody out of here. I'm sorry. I lost my place here. Here it comes. Um, <clears throat> he's one... Uh, just curious, is just wondering about Xavier Leggett. Have you uh, had a good look at him, and is he a first rounder? Because he's a, this tall. I think he runs. Some somebody said he runs a four two four two seven something like that. Big tall guy I, with outstanding speed. I have not done Leggett yet. I got to break that name down. Okay, uh, put that one down, and then uh, let's see. I've done well over 300, but he's one of the ones I haven't done. Mm -hmm. All right. Mike Gibson says, Greg, my thought has been uh, front offices believe in their grading of current players and draft players. Do you think the Bears have Caleb Williams and Drake May rated higher or lower than Justin? So this is pure speculation on your part. Uh, how would you How would you grade him? Mean, actually, you've, you're on record at saying Justin Fields is good. I going into the year, I thought that Caleb Williams was going to be Mahomes Jr. Mm -hmm. based on his one year at Oklahoma and his one year at USC. I mean, he was outstanding last year. He was outstanding the first part of this year. Granted, his supporting cast at, at USC was not as good, but so what? The last half of the seed, actually starting with the Notre Dame game, it's like, who's that guy? You know, it's <laughs> like he's an imposter or somebody. You know, mm -hmm. it's not the same player. So you've got you to go back and find out why. And I think we discussed this before. You, 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 you know, that's a situation where, and it's not talking to the kid, it's talking to his coaches. Mm -hmm. why, why did this happen? This great player who made every play in the world, all of a sudden he's not making plays and he's throwing interceptions. And you know, can you give us an answer as to why that was happening? Because who would know it better than the coach? Right. Now you just gotta hope the coach is being honest with you. But that's why you talk to one more than one person. Drake May, a little bit of the same. Drake May is really, really talented. Now, Drake May doesn't have anywhere close to the talent at, at North Carolina that some of these other guys had that like Stroud had at Ohio State, Fields had at Ohio State or whatever. And let's compare that just for a second. Justin Fields was a lot better at Ohio State than, than C.J. Stroud was. Mm -hmm. Not even close. Justin Fields beat Michigan twice. Stroud got killed by Michigan twice. You know, and, mm -hmm. and um, but why is Stroud so good as a rookie? I, I got, got a feeling he knows what the fuck he's doing. Um... <laughs> All right. That's a perfect way to end this episode of GTF, the Greg Gabriel show, Gabriel talks football. Um, Greg, you and I will be, we're scheduled to be back here Monday at 11 a.m. to talk about the bears win over the Detroit lions. Is that a deal? Yep. 
All right. And then I want to end this show with a, a little promotion for some of our podcast friends from other networks. So I've got three or four commercials coming from them, and then we'll run our closing credits. And then stick around, please, to watch Mike North and Joe Mandel talk about the great Norman Lear, who passed away recently at the age of 101. Take care, everybody. Oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't realize yeah. that old. He was that old. Take care. Bye. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a quarterback in the NFL? I have. The quarterback position is arguably the most difficult position in all of sports due to its physical and mental nature. Join me by watching me on this channel on my journey to become an NFL quarterback. The best Chicago Bears content anywhere. Nomad Live pregame one hour prior to kickoff and Nomad at night postgame and every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central on all the most popular streaming platforms and only on the Nomad Network.